Hi, everyone. Welcome to View from the Mount, uh, where we talk about real-life issues through a biblical lens. I'm Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Jason. And we're going to talk today about the issue of abortion, uh, specifically how Christians ought to view abortion. Um, is this an issue where we can disagree, or is it something where the Bible lays down a very clear stance on this, uh, and maybe we need to do a little teaching with one another in order to understand what it is that God wants? Uh, and this is not just our opinion, right, Jason? Right. I I think that as we were laying this all out, we we realized that we could talk for a long time about this issue. And this really is, it's not just a hobby horse issue that you and I have. It's not one that we're just uniquely passionate about, but it's one that we all as Christians should be passionate about, that we should be involved with. Yeah. And, you know, we see this issue where we're divided in the country and in the world over abortion, where you've got people who are for it, people who are against it. But I think it's interesting that even within the church, there's some division there and there's some people who find a way to sort of be supportive of this uh, this issue. And we kind of want to address that and find out, is that appropriate or not? Um, so we're just going to kind of lay some biblical groundwork today. Yeah. And, and not really spending a lot of time because we come to the table today with this podcast, kind of assuming that anyone that's listening comes from a Christian perspective, that they uh, would be pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's someone listening that really is a is a believer and you're struggling with the issue from a biblical perspective, uh, get in contact with us. We'd love to talk about more uh, more about this with our biblical framework, but but we do just want to quickly just lay this biblical framework because if the Bible gives us a, a word that defines our worldview as Christians, it's the word life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we, we talk about that God is the source of life. Uh, he breathed life into man. He created everything living on the planet. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the Lord of life. People thank God for life throughout the scripture. They rejoice and praise him for that. It's absolutely a gift from God. And, and not that where human life is incredibly valued valuable as like the apex of God's creation uh, is that we were made in his image. Yeah. And that's an important distinction uh, because there's so many people out there who, who hold philosophies that want to reduce human beings to just another animal. We're not special. We're not in God's image. We don't have a soul. We're just an animal. Correct. The Bi- and, and so the Bible makes it clear that God created life that life has value intrinsically because it is we are made in the image of God and we have a soul. Yeah, and, and we were made to be moral creatures. Uh, we have expectations upon us that weren't placed on the animals. And, and, so, and this idea of the value and protection of life begins early in the Old Testament with some of the laws. I, I think about even in some of the law of Moses, you know, gives this scenario of two men are fighting and a, a wife that's pregnant steps in and, and she's pregnant, gets kicked or hit in the belly and that baby dies. That person's to be punished where God's obviously protecting the unborn life. Yeah. And that's kind of laying a groundwork for God as the authority, right? I mean, he he's the author of life. He's the source of life. He gets to decide when to take it or when when to allow us to take it, you know, and give us those those guidelines to a- go by. Absolutely. And, and there's something to be said here about the value of innocent life, of, of those that can't speak for themselves, mm-hmm. uh, where God has spoken on it. So th- that's the biblical framework. That's what brings us basically to the conclusion that we are absolutely positively 100% pro-life. And and we think that that's beyond opinion. Yeah. And there was a time, I think, when when the overwhelming majority of people out there would not have even considered abortion or anything like it as being something acceptable. I mean, people generally accepted that 
that we were created in God's image, that we mm-hmm. were higher somehow than the animals, that we have a value to our lives that is intrinsic. And, Especially and where Christianity sure. was was within the framework of establishing morality. Yeah. And so I think where some of this thinking came in uh, was with Darwin, you know, and I don't, I don't think it was Darwin's thing to you know, lay the groundwork for abortion. But but this is one of those situations where somebody lays out a philosophy and then there are unintended consequences. The, the unintended consequence right. is that we've shifted from the idea of the sanctity of life to the thought of the quality of life. Right. Because if if we are eternal creatures, if we have a soul that has a beginning but no end, it matters. Our lives matter. Our lives have value. And also how we live them matters. Whereas if we are just the result of something that crawled out of some pond scum or, or whatever and evolved over the years and we're just an animal, then this life is all we have. Right. And the quality of it is is paramount. And that I think that would be an interesting important. podcast for another day, the implications of Darwinian evolution, mm-hmm. that what we see all around our world, whether it's racism, whether it's the hate, whether it's the violence, whether it's the promiscuity, uh, all the immorality, seems like the logical flow of uh, reducing us to being an animal or removing the idea of any eternal accountability. Yeah. And I think that people are taught either by humanist atheism or by Christianity or by some other faith. We're, we're sort of taught how to look at this issue, but it, it raises an interesting question of, you know, you find somebody that's grown up on an island all alone and you present right. them with this issue. How would they respond to that, do you think? Man, I, I, I've been thinking about that, you know, I, I can't help but to assume that if somebody had no context, mm-hmm. they had never had any concept of what abortion was. Right. They didn't weren't raised in the same society as we were. And then we explained what this idea was. They would see it. One, it had to be uh, destructive to the human race. Mm-hmm. And second, they would probably be repulsed by the violence of it. I don't see – and I guess the point – Considering is, I think that a non-Christian with the morality that God has infused in every human being should be repulsed by this. Yeah. And I, I think the, the roots of that would be, I don't know that that person would be able to draw a line or even think to draw a line between a baby that's been born and a baby in the womb. I mean, a baby is a baby. And, and there's sort of been this shift as abortion has become yeah. fashionable and now like widely defended as this sort of moral upright thing that this fetus is not really a person. We're changing our terms. And we've done that with all sin, you know, is is we just change the name and it becomes much more appealing. So, you know, man, an affair sounds much more engaging than than adultery. And when you change the name of that life inside a mother's womb from uh, a baby to a a fetus, it it makes it sound like a a blob of tissue rather than a human life with a heartbeat, with a soul, Mm-hmm. With value. Well, and I mean, it's sort of this cognitive dissonance thing. If you can get people to change their language, thoughts mm-hmm. will follow. You know, if you say something enough times, you will begin to think that way. And, and I've heard that this whole conversation talked about almost like you'd go get a wart removed. Yeah, right. You know, it, it's just getting something removed from you. And and this is scientifically, it doesn't hold. No. Uh, morally, it doesn't hold. Biblically, it certainly doesn't hold. Well, because there's a, there's a huge difference between this sort of glitzy public presentation of what abortion is, and it's really no big deal. It's just a simple matter of a doctor's visit. But when you start getting into talking Talking to women who've done this and who who have regret over it, it is absolutely 
one of the most destructive things yeah. emotionally. A- absolutely. And, and and so I think that's a valuable point. Didn't really consider is there might be someone listening mm-hmm. that has had an abortion or knows someone has. Yeah. There is redemption and forgiveness absolutely. there. We, we, this is not an attempt to beat somebody in the ground, but I, I'm pretty convinced that somebody that's had an abortion before doesn't need to be reminded of the psychological, emotional impact of that. This is from every measure we have, it is damaging. It is. And and you, you're you right. There is redemption to be found in Christ and healing. And if you're someone who's listening, who's been through this and you're in pain over this, Christ can bring you healing over that. Absolutely. If, if you repent and come to him about it. And But the thing of it is, the, the reason we bring it up is because there is this almost glamorous uh, facade. Yeah, put a put hashtag on, on Twitter. Right. You know, share my abortion or whatever. And they're celebrating, you know, having done this. And you've got these very successful women who are willing to come out and, and say what a blessing it's been that they had their abortion and, and how thankful they are that they did it because it's advanced their career. Mm-hmm. And for one, I don't know that I always believe that what they're saying is really how they're feeling on the inside. But all, all that all that proves is that you're a self-centered person. It doesn't prove right. that, that's, that that's moral or upright. It just proves that you've scarred your conscience yeah. to the and, point where you can't feel guilt over it. And I don't believe that naturally this is something that someone independently, a, a decision they would come to. It has to be instructed. And, and through the process of teaching or cultural impact and influence, uh, that this becomes a viable option because of that. It's not something that somebody would come to on their own, as you said, on an island. It's not something somebody would say without the cultural influence that leads them to that. Yeah. And under our country, especially, you know, our constitution affords rights to human beings, right to life being right, right up there at the forefront. And so the only way to make this a viable option for people legally is is to change our terms and say, well, that's not a life. That's not a human right. being. Therefore, they're, they, they're not afforded the same rights as we are. And like you said, that's not really holding up. I mean, the technology is advancing so yeah. fast. This ultrasound technology, we're able to see these babies in detail, see their heartbeat, see their hands moving. At, at what, like, like early, like six to eight days, yeah. that there's heartbeats that can be detected. Right. Ultrasound technology, this is my opinion, is going to be the the end of this, if there's an end, if this is really a logical, reasonable thing that can yeah. be discussed, I'm not convinced it is. I'm not convinced it's about science. I'm not sure the facts matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they do, then scientific uh, technology and ultrasound technology, it's going to destroy the advocates. Yeah. There's, well, I think what it's going to do is you're still going to have your staunch supporters of it because their problem is not a scientific one. It's a moral one. Right. But you've got a lot of folks who are undecided or just haven't thought much about it. And seeing that mm-hmm. in real life, you know, we've we've got footage of of sonograms being performed during abortion procedures where the baby is recoiling from these instruments and they're trying to get away. And it's just so telling that that is a human life in there. And, you know, we recently, uh, there's a, there's a pro-life organization that, that our church works with. And we went to the banquet and I think over the past, however many years they had, they had helped to save 60 some babies. And they said just in the last year alone, it was 70 something in, in one year. And, and so that tells us, that as this this technology becomes more sophisticated, it's having an impact. And on that level, it is the ultrasound technology that's shifting individual mothers who come in looking for help, afraid, undecided of what they're going to do, abortive-minded. Uh, yeah. And they come in and, and seeing that child through an ultrasound, 
almost universally sways them for life because yeah. you can clearly see this is not a blob. This is not a nothing. This is a life that it has movement, that it looks yeah. like a human being. And I think it's it's probably a subject that we could do a whole other podcast about the fact that these these women come in and they are at the end of their rope. And that is the most affordable and reasonable option, like that, that they can't yeah. find ways to support or care for this child and an abortion is easier and, and more palatable. I think that says something about our culture and, and where we're where we're putting our priorities. Yeah, and, and maybe that's part part of the conversation about solutions. That, that we need to have. And one of the things I've wondered, Matt, through all this is when we hear the conversation, there are not many issues that get people fired up yeah. on either side. But I'm especially thinking about pro-choice people. You want to make someone that's left-leaning. You want to make them mad. Throw out the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned as this Supreme Court stuff right now right. has kind of brought to the forefront. Why is this something that they fight so hard for? I think it's absolute worship of self. This is this has become the sort of flagship thing for individual freedom and liberty. You know, they want people want to live their lives however they choose without consequence. Right. And, and when you enforce a consequence, and you're not even enforcing a consequence when you tell them you can't kill your child. All you're saying is, you know, the, this is the natural consequence of your actions. You're not allowed to kill kill a child in right. order to get out of them. That sparks outrage. You're well, telling out of them all how the to issues left lives. and right, whether it's taxation, whether it's immigration, mm -hmm. whatever the issues, this is one that people feel is the attack on their rights. Yeah, and and you even narrow it down to just women's issues. I mean, if you attack any other women's rights sort of issue, you know, th this pay gap that supposedly exists between men and women, you're not going to spark the kind of outrage that you're going to spark if you attack the abortion issue. And so I I, I don't know. I mean, I th it's almost this sort of cultish uh, devotion to this. Like they treat it as, as a religious sacrament almost of, of humanism. You know, it, it's yeah. like you're trying to attack something foundational yeah, in their worldview. It is foundational to their worldview. Uh, it's foundational because it's, it's life versus death. It's value versus it's being created, uh, created versus being accidental. Right. And so, you know, I think what we're going to try to narrow down to today is, how do Christians look at this? Because like you said before, you know, an, an atheist who is pro-choice makes perfect sense to me. I mean, if you believe that we're just evolved, our lives don't have any special purpose in the universe, we don't have a creator who's laid down a moral standard for us, and you believe that we have a right to choose to have an abortion, that's consistent. It, it's consistent, but it's not natural. It's not natural, but it is a consistent philosophy. And, and, and I just so, wanted to separate that because, right. because we had said earlier, if someone on island came... I think God infused in every individual some level of morality and life is a part of that right. infused morality. Uh, but like what you're saying, if someone's been taught and someone's come to a conclusion of uh, humanism, right. of atheism, this is a logical it is. Uh, end. And you've got some who were not hiding the ball with that. They're like, look, this is what I believe. They, they do believe in partial birth, late term abortion because they're sticking by their guns. They're saying we're just animals. There is no problem with that. And, and logically speaking, that is a consistent natural uh, result of that belief sure. system. And, um, but, but what we're talking about is how do you 
believe in God? How do you believe in the God of the Bible specifically and in, in, in Christ and in what the Bible right. teaches about life and still come to the conclusion that abortion is acceptable? Right. This is not some hidden teaching in scripture. Right. There are some things that are hard to understand in the Bible that I struggle to articulate and we disagree on a couple issues mm-hmm. and we've studied them out and they're hard. This is not a hidden, difficult subject. This is prominent on every page, the value of human life. Right. And, you know, we talked in our last episode about drinking and, and you know, there are some issues where we as Christians can sort of disagree and and it's it's okay to disagree about some things sometimes, but I don't know if this is one of those issues. In fact, th- th- I'm just being diplomatic. This is not one of those issues. No, it's, it's not, not one of those issues. No, and, and, so, and, and without being, we can't we can't judge a human heart. That's not what we're trying to do. I would question the nature of somebody's conversion, or at least the depth of their maturity, right. if they do not come to this understanding. And, and if someone grew up in a pro-choice home, they've been shaped by that and taught by that. I understand that that might be a difficult thing to leave behind with conversion, but right. conversion and repentance involves a change of the mind. Right. And this is uh, day one yeah. change of mind, right. uh, it, it, because before we can understand the gospel, we have to understand that we have value. Sure. And, you know, I know oftentimes there's this sort of pass the buck mentality in our country and, and people grow up and commit crimes and they'll say, well, I'm a product of my upbringing. And, and certainly the way we raise our children has an impact on who they turn out to be. But at some point you have to take responsibility for yourself mm-hmm. and your own actions. And, and so as Christians, yes, maybe we were raised by the world and maybe we were inundated with these philosophies. But at some point after you've been converted it's time to change that that outlook. It's time to grow up and be the person that, that right. Christ wants us to be. Right, and, and submit to right. the scripture. So, so, I mean, why do you think a Christian would not be totally pro-life? What are some of the reasons why a Christian might come to this other, other view where abortion's okay? Well, I, I think part of it has to go back to what a phrase we had heard in the late 80s and into the 90s is the right. idea of a silent majority, yeah. is that the majority has been silent, but the minority... Uh, has been very loud and vocal on this issue. Mm-hmm. And right now we live in a world with this cancel culture mentality that shames anybody that has any view that's outside their spectrum. Right. And I think there's some idea of, well, we got to, we got to tote this line. We got to be diplomatic. And I think there's some Christians that are trying to live in both that. Yeah. And I think there are some who, who won't argue it just because they feel powerless. They say, well, I'm alone. I, there's nothing I can do about it. And I don't want to have that argument or be attacked over, yeah. over obstructing that line of thinking. And I think a lot of times also they've just been sort of, uh, they haven't thought deeply about it. They've believed a mm-hmm. lot of the lies that are circulating, that that abortion is somehow the same thing as healthcare for women, you know, that, yeah. that, that this is some kind of a morally upright thing in some situations where it's the better thing to do. Um, and we're going to kind of tackle some of those arguments. Yeah. And I don't today. think we can separate that and we'll come to the idea of the politics of it mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later, but I, I think that it's possible that there is a Christian who grew up with a left-leaning political background. Yeah. They come into the church and they become Christians, and they hear this as so much a part of the political rhetoric yeah. that it's hard for them to shift from that uh, shift platforms. Right. Uh, and and so here's what I'm not. I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, you have to embrace one political platform or the other completely. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is something that it 
that goes beyond political platform. Yeah. And we should, as Christians, go beyond party lines, and, and but we should vote on issues. What Correct. are the issues? Where do they stand on these things that are important scripturally? And so that is absolutely something that ought to shape our thinking you, and our decision. You don't have to agree with me on taxation and right. immigration uh, and health care policy right. in order to be a saved, vibrant Christian person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are, I, I, abortion is where I would make a distinction. We do have to agree on that. I think so. I think absolutely. And we're going to kind of talk about. So there are some arguments that Christians will bring to the table. Maybe you're thinking about one of these things now, where uh, the yeah buts, <laughs> yeah, the yeah buts, um, these situations where well, actually, you know, it, it's acceptable under well, these circumstances. Let me throw these out to you, Matt, and then we'll we'll, and we'll answer. I'm going to throw out a couple that okay. I've heard, uh, and you tell me what you would do with it. One, one I've heard people say is they'll preface it like I I don't personally support abortion. But I, I do think that a woman should be able to make that choice legally, constitutionally. Right. So, I mean, my response to that would be, first, you have to find out why don't you support it? Why don't you support it? Because if the reason you don't support it personally is because that's a human life that, that deserves protecting, then you have no rational excuse for saying other people should have the right to do that. You know, we uh, I've heard this likened to you know, the Holocaust in, in Germany during World War II. And that would be tantamount to saying, well, I don't kill Jewish people personally, but I think other people should have the right to do that. That's absurd. Right. right. And, and this argument is based on the fact, it's all based on the idea that we believe life has value yeah. completely. Yeah. And if so, if so, if the reason that person doesn't support it themselves is because they don't believe it's a life, then that's a separate conversation, right? But right. if you believe that's a human life, and so you don't support it, then then there's no reason for you to think other people should and, have the choice. And I would hope that, a, that, that some uh, someone that might be listening, if someone was an atheist and they were listening, they would at least say, hey, they're consistent with their worldview. Right. And so what we're alluding to is to be a Christian mm-hmm. and to be in the middle of this issue yeah. is not consistent with your worldview. Yeah. And like we said, you know, we've kind of already touched on this, is it or isn't it a human being thing? The science is showing us that it is. Right. Now, if constitutionally we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we would have to at least consider that with our framework Mm -hmm. that to have an abortion is not to uphold the right of a woman to choose, but it's to take away the right of the baby to life, Correct. liberty, and yes. pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Before anything, life comes first. And, and so before her liberty comes the baby's life. And and right. you don't have the, the liberty to take a life in order for your own convenience. Right. Your freedom, your freedom stops right. at the point in time when it would take away mine, yeah. my, my freedoms. And so constitutionally, that child has a right to life. Right. And, 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 and that leads us real naturally into this next argument we hear. Well, you know, a woman should decide what's best for her body. And, and, and we're arguing that that's not her body. Right. Right. This yeah. is not just an extension of her body. It's no. not a wart that needs to be removed. No. This is an individual child with its own circulatory system, with a unique DNA, Correct. oftentimes with its own blood type uh, and, and with its own thought processes. Uh, it, it is a unique individual human life. Right. And, and I've heard, even heard people try to argue this and say, well, fine, it's a life. But, you know, they, they, they create this hypothetical situation where, you know, well, you're in a hospital bed and you're wired to this other human being and they can only live so long as you stay there connected to them. And so that's basically holding the holding you prisoner. You know, you have to stay there. If you disconnect yourself from mm-hmm. that person and walk away, you know, you should have the right to do that. I, th- I think that that's not a good 
parallel because you're you're discounting your relationship to this other person. This is not a stranger who's taken up residence in your body. You're this child's mother. That's your child. Right. It's not some stranger who you've been shackled to and are now responsible for. This is a human being who you've brought brought life to. And so that's that's not your body. This is not about making decisions about I, I, we make decisions fathers and mothers both. I know the mother carries the child, but there's responsibility both ways. At the point where you're pregnant, you've made your decision with your body. Like this is not 1950. Nobody thinks you get pregnant from a toilet seat at the beach. Like we know where babies come from. You've made your decision. Well, I have I've had six kids, yeah. so I I'm still learning this. Right. You're still trying to figure it out. But but most people have an idea of this. Like they understand what's going to lead to a pregnancy and you make the choice and, and you take the risk if that's what you're going to do. Don't you think that some of the conversation needs to also be that our philosophy is, and I joke about having six kids all the time, that children are a blessing from the Lord. Yes. Not a curse, not a burden. And I get that in some homes taking care of a child financially is difficult. And yeah. I understand that some people are unfit parents with addictions and other things that make that incredibly difficult circumstances. Yeah. I understand. But children are a blessing, no exceptions, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that's not how that. many people see it. You know, I remember this big, you know, uproar because Obama at one point made mention of, you know, if my daughter makes you makes a mistake and gets pregnant, I don't want her to be punished, you know, by having to have a child. A child's not a punishment. Right. And that child... As also, and, and that's the, fundamentally the problem of, yeah. of, of the view. It is. And, and it shows this very childish mentality. I want right. to do what I want to do, but I don't want there to be any consequences. And that's how they view it as a punishment. You know, like, oh, I've got to suffer now because right. I had a little bit of fun and now I right. have to suffer. Well, maybe that's something you should consider before you have that particular uh, kind of fun. Ab absolutely. Some things have lifelong consequences. If I go skydiving, I understand there's a chance my chute won't open. I'm accepting that horrifically right. horrible consequence, the yeah. risk of that. And and again, a child isn't even a horrible consequence. No. A child's a blessing. And so... No, it, even, a, even a surprise. Right. I understand that there are points in our life, you know, you're 15 years old in high school... A child might not seem like a blessing, and that's not the time you want to have a child in your life. Well, well, but the time to curtail that is before you're pregnant. And we'll talk about this in a, in a moment, but there are other options yeah, there are. aside from uh, abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and this issue has become so tied uniquely to women's rights. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that it's always, you know, someone saying, well, I don't think men should decide right. what a woman does if with her body. If you don't have a uterus, you don't have an opinion. Uh, you um, know, which is, which is, because there, there are women that have been involved in the process one way or other sure. from a legal standpoint. And there's a dad involved in this as well. Yeah, there is. Who's equally a, a, a part of, of, of the situation. Um, this is not a woman's rights issue. This is a moral issue, a human life issue, and the focus should be on the innocent uh, party. Yeah, the and, and I've child. heard, you know, these stories where you've got a father who's begging, you know, begging this girl, "Don't, don't kill my child. I want my child. I'll take the child." And and they don't have any power whatsoever to decide that because it's all about this. Well, it's my body. It's my choice thing. Right now, they um, would say they would say, "Well, the court, the courts." should not decide that. But the courts decide all sorts of things yeah. that we don't have a problem with, you know, that you shouldn't murder someone, right. which we are equating it to. No, and I, I think, I don't think that you fix it by allowing the court case by case to decide who can have an abortion. I think it's fixed by 
making abortion illegal because it's killing a human being, an right. innocent human right. being. Right, and that's why um, that's why it's not a women's rights issue. No, it's a human uh, rights it's issue. It's a human rights issue. Now, the, the other thing, Matt, that I've heard, uh, this has been posed several times, this scenario. Well, in the Old Testament, uh, God went through Canaan and some of these other places instructed children to be killed, and that shows that it's not wrong. Yeah, that God supports, you know, the killing of babies. Because what do you say is, to someone that says that? Listen, I I am all about being gentle with people. And, and I, I think it's important sometimes for us to, when there's a doctrine or a thought out there that's ugly and vile, that we crush that thought without crushing the person. And so if you're a person who believes this, you have value and I appreciate you and I'd love to talk to you about this. But that idea that God supports the murder of babies is a stupid idea. It's a stupid thing to say. It's not the biblical idea of God. So here's the thing. God is the source of life. He's the author of it. He gives it to us. He is the only one with the authority to take it. When God takes a life, it's not murder. Murder is the stealing of a life. It's not yours to do that. You didn't give it. It's not up to you to take it away on your, for your own reasons. And so when God takes a life, he's not a murderer. He's not stealing. It's his. Right. He, he gave it. He can take it. Secondly, God is the only one with absolutely supreme knowledge of, of every single thing that person will ever do or experience. He can weigh every possible outcome and know when it is correct to right. take a life. We can't possibly know all of that. And it's it's not logically consistent. Well, that, it's that not God, like those are the uh, – that's the norm. Right. It's and, not like on every page in scripture you see that idea. Uh, these were exceptions. Right. And, and so, you know, God uh, – the specific one I've heard is, you know, when God sent Israel into Canaan. He said, you know, eradicate the Canaanites, kill man, woman, child, kill them all. So – we cannot extrapolate from that like, oh, well, God ordered the killing of these specific children at one time for his reasons, and therefore now we can kill any child we want for whatever reason we deem necessary. That's not a logical no. conclusion. And, 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 by and that, barely by that the, conclusion, the conclusion that we draw, if, if that's our line of reasoning, is not for abortion. It's for killing a two-year-old right. or a ten-year-old right. or a order them to go kill you know, to, to perform abortions. He said, kill men, women. Now, obviously, if they killed a pregnant woman, the baby died also. But there were reasons that God ordered the killing of these people. God had his reasons. He has perfect knowledge of, of everything. And so we can't sit here and decide, well, that was wrong of God right. to do that. And then we also can't say, well, because God ordered those children to die, now we can kill any child we want for whatever reason well, we want. you're not He God. also killed adults. And so can we just kill anybody we want on the planet for any reason we deem fit? I mean, right. it doesn't hold true. If you if you apply that logic across the board, it falls apart. I, I agree. I think that's the, uh, um, if, if someone's arguing with us, uh, I think that's the most biblically naive uh, of, of the argument. It is. And, and if, if that's how you see God, then that's not the God of the Bible. But, but there are it's people not. that are, that are, that have come firm to their position and are looking for biblical justification for that position, and that's gra the grasping for yeah, straws. Yeah, you're going to. backwards there. We should we should let the Bible speak, and and that should form our stance, not decide your stance yeah. and try to prop it up with the scripture. Yeah, absolutely, and that's not even logically. It's uh, not. It's not even coherent. a particular. I don't even think we need to spend much more time on that nah. because it's easy to crush that argument. That's clearly not what God stands well, for. What What about this? This is where people might. Uh, 
speak about the what about the quality of life issue? What we call is like eugenics mm-hmm. or, or something like that. What what about that conversation that somebody might give? Well, that's the, I mean the thing about it is that Planned Parenthood and this whole idea of abortion. This wasn't started based on some morally upright notion. Women's of, of was not a women's care right of women or giving them rights or being concerned about the the welfare of the child's quality of life. This was about wiping out swaths of the population that were considered Specifically black people. Yes. And, you know, Margaret Sanger is widely recognized as having these views. And, and people will say, oh, well, we've moved away from those roots. But that's the foundation of what they do. That's the whole thing that they were built on. and And it's just been sort of dressed up and and a nice face is put on it Mm. and they've come up with all these rationalizations. But the fact of the matter is this was conceived of by wicked people for wicked purposes and, and put whatever face you want on it. It's still evil. Absolutely. It it is. And I shared the story before, but when expecting our, our fourth child, Mm. you know, they do all these testing and things before blood work. And they came back and said that the child that, my wife was pregnant with that they had a percentage chance that she would have Down syndrome and they do ultrasounds in depth. And then they took us in for what they call genetic counseling. And they recommended that because of this, and I don't remember exactly how that worked, but like the number was like to say 120, which meant there was like a one in 120 chance that mm-hmm. this child had Downs and they were willing to, they encouraged, uh, were directing us to having an abortion with that. Uh, I like less than 1% odds on something. As it turns out, our child didn't have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. But even if that child did, that does not justify the taking of life. You know, I think about when, when we go to start trying to solve social issues by eliminating people. Yeah. There's nothing to ensure that we don't become the social problem. Absolutely not. No, nothing at all. I mean, Sam Harris, for those who don't know him, he's sort of an intellectual, I guess. He's he's one of these guys that they call the, the four horsemen of modern atheism. And he talks a great deal about secular humanism. And, and he's even suggested that there are certain viewpoints that these viewpoints shouldn't be allowed to survive and holding them makes you worthy of death. That That's where we're headed with this. I yeah. mean, next, because the, the, the next easy step from abortion is, is euthanasia, right? Of the elderly. That's the next logical step that would, that would take place. And we've already got people pushing for well, it. Well, this I mean, eugenics idea is not far removed from what the Holocaust attempt was no. to create a pure race. So man, if you have a child that's not blonde haired and blue eyed, then yeah. let's, let's keep taking that child's life until we get what it is that we want. Yeah. Or you have, you know, some of these countries with all the COVID stuff, you've got a limited number of ventilators. So now we're going to decide who's worthy of living based on what they contribute to society. Yeah. You know, th- that's that's dangerous. That's a dangerous that is line a dangerous. to cross. Well, well, and let's be clear. So if a child, a parent finds out their child has a deformity, a disability, downs or something like that, we cannot, we cannot say that child does not have value still. No. Again, and again, God's the only one who knows the course of a person's life and, and, and what kind of quality it's going to have and, and the joy that they're going to experience and bring to other people. Yeah. I, you know, most of us know at least one person in the world who has some sort of developmental disability or a birth defect or some kind of uh, issue that they're struggling with from birth. And, you know, we love those people. We find joy in them. They, they bring smiles to people. And they faces. love back. They, and they love back. Right. You know, you've, we've, we've got this young guy. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. We were talking about that, that spoke before Congress was born with Down syndrome. And he's and he told him, I love my life. I deserve to live. We're not right. something to be eradicated. We're people. That's heartbreaking. 
to have somebody stand up and, and say something like that. And you've got other countries in the world crowing about that they've eradicated Down syndrome in their country. Right. How dare you? Like you cannot decide the value of someone's life based on what you think it might look like. Right. And and even we've talked before about the you know arguments I've heard people say, well, you know, by abortion you might have eliminated the person who's gonna cure cancer. It doesn't matter. Right. Every life, whether they're gonna contribute something significant yeah. or 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 nothing significant to society does not mean that they don't have value. And yeah. also it doesn't mean they've contributed nothing because they've contributed something. Right. And I know you've got people who want to come out with these hypothetical, well, what if you knew it was Hitler? Would it be okay to abort Hitler? Morally speaking, no, we can't have pre-crime. Like it's not minority report. You cannot eliminate someone without them having actually committed some horrific crime right. that is worthy of death. We don't have the moral authority to make that decision. Yeah. God's kind of laid out in the scripture, like, you know, these are the circumstances where you you put somebody to death and, yeah. and it's not for some perceived possible low quality of life or some birth defect. Or for the comfort of our own lives. Right. Because we don't want to have to be burdened right. with caring for, you know, there was a lady, I can't remember her name within the last couple of years. And she wrote an article about, she was caring for her adult son who had some kind of developmental disability and how she wished every single day that she had had an abortion. That's not a call to, oh, abortion is the right thing. I think that says a lot more about her than it, yeah. than it says about anyone and, else. And I do think that this there is logical flow that we're seeing in our society mm -hmm. that leads to determining that some living person that's X amount of years old no longer has value because we're placing value on people based on these superficial yeah. means, uh, how you look, what you might contribute, what your yeah. uh, IQ might be, and we place value on the on a person based on those things and that becomes very dangerous sure it does. and very subjective yeah. and euthanasia is on the table uh we've seen infanticide that has been a part of the conversation within the past year uh you know a child that's born from a botched abortion mm -hmm. what do you do with a child that's you know and there are people large segments of the population that would Link these two issues together. Oh, I, 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 I was absolutely stymied by some of that. You've got like elected government officials saying, "Well, you got this baby on the table that that has survived an attempt on it on their life," and, and there's they're supporting this idea of going ahead and letting them die. It's the mother's choice. You can, I mean, this right. is now a, a born baby. You know, right? We've crossed the line here, and and it's not even it's not even just setting the tone for these superficial criteria. You know, in terms of what you can provide to society or if you've got a birth defect, abortion's permissible just because you don't want the child. So now a person has a right to life or not based on if they're wanted or, or loved. loved. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what kind of a, what kind of a precedent does that set for people? Oh, right. we just don't like these people. You know, like they're not loved. They're not, they're not welcome in society. Do away with them. And that sounds, listen, I, I know there are people who are going to recoil at that and say, oh, you're just being crazy and that's not going to lead to, says who? I mean, like you look at World War II, like one guy or one small group of people managed to convince an entire country that huge groups of people ought to be exterminated, you know, in, in the most horrific ways imaginable. This is not fiction. This is something that is possible and that yeah. we've seen it in our own history when you strip the value away from a group of people. Absolutely. And that's where we are. I, uh, maybe the most common argument I've heard from Christians is not necessarily just for abortion, but it's the 
exceptions, yeah, right? right. Um, I'm against abortion, but uh, in the cases of rape and incest and to preserve the mother's life, then I'm not so against it. And they want to make that sound like they're being ultra compassionate to somebody else. Right. But what do we say to somebody? That says Man, that? I mean, for one thing, if it comes down to the mother's life, I mean, I know if it's my wife and, and it's our child, what parent wouldn't willingly lay down their life for their child? I mean, and we're talking about a maybe in most of these cases, like there's a chance right. the mother won't survive. What happened to trusting God? I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be heartless. I know that's a horrific situation to find yourself in, but any parent I know would die for any one of their children who are outside the womb. And why do we treat a child in the womb differently as Christians? And and in in the case of rape and incest, first of all, a second worst crime Right, because murder is worse than rape or incest, and that child didn't do it. Right, right. So, so we're we're murdering a person for someone else having committed a lesser crime than murder. And, and we don't um, take away the fact that psychologically that's going to be difficult. Sure, that the mother's going to sure. be have a difficult time. That, right. we, we understand that. Uh, that 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 whole scenario, how difficult that has to be. But studies have found that most, when I say most, I'm talking about over like what 99 percent yeah. of abortions. Right. Uh, are simply for convenience right. sake. And so this is intellectually dishonest. If you, So I guess my response to somebody would be, all right, so if you're willing to admit the other 99% of abortions are bad, then we can talk about this tiny portion that are from rape and incest. But if you're just trying to prove the majority from this fringe thing, you're being right. dishonest. But, but our foundation doesn't allow us to justify this. No. If doesn't. our foundation is that life begins at conception, and that life is valuable because God created it, right. then there are not exceptions. No. But even if there were this tiny ex- exception, that doesn't justify the other 99%. We can't lump them all together and say, well, because abortion in the case of rape is okay, all abortion is fine. That's right. not that's not logical. Right. Um, but but again, as Christian people, none of this is justifiable in the in the eyes of God. We don't have the authority to decide this. No, and 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 I think one of my concerns growing concerns that obviously every time we get near an election cycle you hear these conversations more mm-hmm. how do we get and talk to people in the church we're not christian people who would recoil at what we've said i think you got to take them to scripture i mean I, I really do believe that largely this is the result of people have been brought up with a worldly view of this issue and nobody has ever sat them down with the Bible and walked them through why this does not hold up to a scriptural right. view of the world. They, and so they're just sort of carrying it around still. There's a lot of stuff that's still sort of just left in our brains from before we were Christians yeah. because nobody's ever just really sat down and explained why that doesn't hold water yeah. anymore. And so I think maybe maybe just saying, well, look, look, how about I don't say anything about it? How about we just look and see what the Bible has to yeah. say? I think, that's, I think that's about the best recourse. I, I mm-hmm. think that there's bigger issues. If somebody resists that, rejects that, and still wants to be and connect to the church, uh, I have a problem with that. I, I don't see how someone can identify uh, and wear the name of Christ and and be pro-choice, actively no. pro-choice. I don't I don't think those are consistent things. And, and so that's probably a symptom of a much deeper problem at that point. You know, yeah. you're not going to fix that problem by fixing their perception of this one issue. There's, Absolutely. There's other stuff going on. Absolutely. And, and I think person. there needs to be loving conversation. So here we come to this conclusion. What do we do? Oh, how, I mean, how do we make, how do we make a, t- a, a, a change in this? I mean, we absolutely have to get involved in pushing the right to life. I mean, in in whatever way that we possibly can, we can support these 
pro-life institutions that are out there trying to to help sway these women and provide resources so that they can remove some of those barriers. A lot of times an abortion is because the mother's afraid, they don't have the resources, they think they're alone. And you make sure that they understand you're not alone. You have a support network. We will help you help them to make that decision for life. These pregnancy centers do amazing work. Absolutely. And we need to be supporting them. And obviously the most obvious thing we can do is at the ballot box, right? How do you how do you as a Christian vote for somebody who is pro-abortion? I mean, there is no other just because you like their tax policy, that doesn't trump the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. So how do you cast your vote for somebody who is is supporting that? Right. And, and I don't think as a Christian you can. And and as a Christian, when I look at the candidates that are running, this is a number one issue I look for. And I I cannot in good conscience, vote for somebody that is pro-choice, that is pro-death. Right. I can't do that. Now, where that leads your vote, that's another conversation. Right. And we're not uh, going to sit here. This and, isn't a and conversation support. necessarily between Republican and Democrat. No. There, 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 there are other options uh, out there. But I do believe that there are clear choices and the lines have been very clearly drawn. I don't think we have to mince words about that. Where yeah. uh, in, in this presidential election... Abortion has been, at least verbally, on the stump. Mm-hmm. It's been a part of it. Uh, the Democrat candidate for president is very much pro-choice, mm-hmm. and the incumbent Republican president has been very much pro-life. Yes. Now, I get that there are other issues. This is not the only issue on the no. table. But, you, but isn't it maybe one of the most important issues on the table? I mean, we're talking about the, the death most. of millions of babies, like over the last however many years. Like The most important I can't issue. imagine anything taking precedence over that. Not to mention if you're a Christian, the idea of are we deflecting, are we – uh, deflecting God's blessing yeah. as a res- as a nation as well, a result. And you're asking, you know, what should we do? What shouldn't we be willing to do? If we really believe this, if we really believe that these are human lives, that these are innocent babies being killed every single day, what shouldn't we be willing to do to put a stop to that? You know, we we judge history judges people. I think history is going to judge us as butchers, and they're going to look back at us and, and the church being present in this and say, where yeah. were, where was the church? What were you doing? Just I do like think we look back at Germany and say, what were these people doing while the Nazis were taking power? Exactly yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Hands, in, you know? in in the first century, you know, they had the same basic ideas. You know, they would take babies that were born and throw them out into the woods mm-hmm. or or somewhere else. And the early church made it their habit and their practice to scour the woods, yeah. find in these children who have been discarded mm-hmm. and raise them and love them. I think that what we see is from the very infancy of the church, the church has made it a number one mission, a number one priority right. to care for the for the innocent, to speak up for those that can't speak for themselves and specifically to defend unborn life. Yeah. We've talked about well, maybe putting your child up for adoption is a better option than, than murdering yeah. that child. And I understand people's objections to that. It costs thousands of dollars. It shouldn't. If that's the barrier, yeah. let's do something about that. And, and that, that is a big... Like, obviously, we don't want to hand out kids to just any old predator or whoever. Like, we want to make sure they're going to a safe home. That process should not cost the the, the hopeful parent thousands of their own dollars. Yeah. And that's something that we can work to and, and that might mean Christian families... That this is one way Christian families can step up. Yeah. Um, I get that there's people that are looking at their lives and are thinking, man, I don't think I want children. Right. Uh, you know, I'm in an empty nest stage or something else. They see. But this is code red. Yeah. And basically, if the child were to go into the system 
that's costing the government however much money. If, if the person is willing to take that child and then support that child, that's no longer a drain on the system. It's no longer a cost to our society. That person is shouldering the cost of raising yeah. the child. And so I don't think it needs to cost them really much of anything up front. And there's policy changes that can happen. There, there. are. Then let's do something about it. It's certainly better to, to do something about that process than it is to say, well, then we might as well just keep killing them. You know? Right. And, and, and so I think that, you know, so we want to be clear of what we're against, but also clear in what we're for. Yeah. We're not just for life and protecting it from being killed. We're also mm -hmm. for those children being raised yeah. uh, and, and, and taken care of whatever we need to do. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not for government intrusion and most things, no, but, but I do think that whatever it takes, whatever it takes that we can step in policy wise, regulatory wise, and give a viable, realistic option aside from abortion yes. it it should be done and we as christians should be at the forefront of the solution yeah, yeah. we can't sit back and say well someone needs to do yeah. something we need to be willing right. each of us to this step is beyond up this is beyond picketing right. this is beyond screaming uh, about the issue it's beyond walking uh, mm -hmm. which is fine to 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 ha have those outlets i just don't know if those are the most beneficial uses of our time mm -hmm. let's get in the forefront on the battleground and do something volunteer yeah. at your pregnancy center love some somebody give of your money mm -hmm. give of your time this is worth sacrificing and, and there's any number of situations that people can outline where you don't understand the particulars. You don't understand all the complications of my situation. I get that bringing this child into the world is more complicated than just chewing away with them. That doesn't make it right to do away with the child. Whatever complication comes right. about from, from giving this child life, they're worth dealing with. Yeah, And that is what, what needs to happen. We don't decide what's right based on expedience. We don't decide what's right based on what's most convenient or what's least difficult or what's least taxing on us personally. We do what's right always, no matter the Correct. cost. And, I mean, Christ embodied that. And this does bring about life, a, you know? a righteous anger mm -hmm. that should drive us not to inaction, but to action. And maybe that's where, as Christians, we faltered is that we've just been so angry about the issue and we've yelled about Roe versus Wade and all these other things, but it's left us uh, in some type of paralysis. But yeah, but that's all we've done, right? Because we've just sat back and yelled about it and, and wring our hands and maybe we're voting, you know, for the pro-life people, but, the, but they haven't done anything about it. That's and I get that that's a frustration too. But the fact is, everything's backward. You know, we talked earlier about why are pro-life people so rabidly supportive of this and, and absolutely willing to go to any lengths they pro can choice. whatsoever or pro pro choice. Yeah. Right. To protect the right to abortion. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, if you believe that, that we're created by God and have a soul, it makes perfect sense that we would be outraged by the taking of that life. And why aren't we equally out there doing anything it takes to get this thing right. changed? Like, why is the other side more willing to fight for this than we are? Yeah, when it, when it makes perfect sense that we should be the ones who are far angrier about about it. This is not just a secondary, tertiary issue. This is a major issue, and it's one that has implications for the future. And and one of the things I think we consider as we wrap up this whole thing is this is not just the stop of the issue. Well, let's just leave it like it is. It's going to become increasingly violent, increasingly worse, and there's a next step. Mm -hmm. There always has been a next step. And the next step's euthanasia or some type of other eugenics yeah. that takes away whatever life that is deemed by whoever as having less value and less significance. Uh, this is not going to get better 
if left to its own self. This is not something that if we just leave it alone, count our loss, that it's better. This is something we're fighting for. Yeah. This is something we don't have the right to, a, as Christians, to an opinion on. No. This is the platform. This is the perspective a Christian should have. Absolutely, because it's it's the perspective that the Bible teaches. And the, the Bible has to be the authority. It's not our emotional response. It's not our logical you know, reasoning through this or our personal preference on, on the subject. We have to let the Bible be the authority. Yeah. And the Bible teaches that life is sacred to God. It is a gift from God. And except in the, in the situations where he has given us permission to take it, you know, in the case of murderers or whatever, we can't decide for ourselves just to kill innocent people. Right. Um, well, now that we've made uh, people upset, uh, I hope not. I, I hope that uh, what we said is reasonable, logical, and maybe if you've been on the fence that it's helped you in some way. Uh, if not, I hope that you know and see the tenor and the tone of our conversation Absolutely. that we that we're not hate mongers. Yeah, and 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 so that we don't come off the wrong way. I am a supporter of women having equal rights. I'm a supporter of women having access to top notch healthcare. We've been lied to when we're told that the right to have an abortion is a women's rights issue or that it is synonymous with women's health care. You know, I can say abortion is wrong without trying to deprive women of, of health care. Right. I think now, women should have the best health care. This is not women's health care. This is murdering a child. There's, there's a difference. Who half of those children are women. Are, are women. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that, there's a logical conflict there for you to chew on. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we hope that we haven't totally alienated the whole lot of everyone. Um, but we really think that this is... We're not going to apologize for our position. No, this is a hill. This is a hill. Matt and I are willing to die on. You know, even last time we talked about drinking, we're we're willing to engage that a little bit more. Uh, more. Uh, this is not one that we're willing to. Uh, we have we don't have flexibility in shifting our yeah. opinion. I mean, we will. We're happy to talk with you about it if you've got questions, if you want to present your side of the argument. But just understand that our our sole goal in this will be to get you to agree with the biblical teaching on it. We're not going to change our position on this, nor should anyone who is a Bible-believing Christian. This is what the Bible teaches. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And I think our next uh, next episode as we head into October is going to be about some like occultism that's kind of springing yeah. up in the world. Not springing up because it's been here forever, but what does that look like today? Uh, why is that tempting to people? What forms does it take in our society? And is it really dangerous or is some of this stuff just harmless and we're being kind of alarmists about it. So we'll kind of explore that subject. A lot of topics that we talk about, um, we tend to pretty well agree upon. I think this is maybe one where we might have a few differences. A, we do. We have, a little, we, we have a little bit different stance. Uh, I think that uh, your, 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 your stance on that issue has shifted some, but, some. but, but we, we still disagree on how we would uh, enforce how, yeah. we, how we would... Or maybe where specifically we might draw some lines. Where we lines. would draw lines. I, I um, think we agree on the principles. Yeah. So I think it should be a good, a good uh, conversation. It's definitely one that should get people talking. Well, thank you for listening once again. I know we've gone on for a little bit of a long time, but you can check out our other podcasts at our website. Uh, it's at lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Uh, we've got some sermons on there and some other things you can check out. We're also available on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts and a few other places yeah. and we will put links for all that on our facebook page and uh we hope to catch you next time yep like or subscribe to our podcast we'd love, uh, to, yes. hear, we'd love to hear your comments as well uh drop them in there and let us know what you think all right thanks everyone mm -hmm.